0: following program is brought to you in living color on NBC.
1: Last week when I recorded with Tom DJ, that the issue that Bill put, picked came up.
2: Oh, cool little segue into it. That's cool. Yeah. And not by any, I didn't even know it. it I just picked it random. And then I noticed that it actually ties back to, uh, has that one been on yet? Has that show been on yet, Paul? With Daredevil 152.
1: Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. No. Well, Daredevil 152. No, Daredevil 114.
2: That was Daredevil 114. The one in the swamp. Yeah, with the that man thing.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh. Oh, well, okay. That's All right. that.
1: Well, that went up like a month ago.
2: Are you sure
1: it wasn't 152? I'm sure of a lot of things. I am sure that's issue 114. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Ah. Go ahead. Prove me wrong. Let Let's make this our, our A moment like me and Scott with Brave and the Bold, marvel to you. (laughs) Go (laughs) ahead, just itching for a fight, (laughs) Mister. I know everything.
2: I could have swore they said something about him being trapped, but in a swamp. Um, I'm looking through. I guess not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm Oh well. Go
1: ahead, apologize. No.
2: (laughs) Go ahead, say about how I'm always right. You're always wrong. No, you're not always right. Yeah, pretty much. You're not going to trick me into saying something you can edit it against me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You'll just you'll just edit a bunch of things out of context and be like, "Paul, yes, right, (laughs) eat." You know, (laughs) clip a syllable here, clip a syllable there.
1: Back. Excuse me. Oh, that was nasty. Uh, That's what she said. Was was that like some sort of diabetic thing going on there?
2: Do I need to. What? Belching? That was this Mountain Dew that I just you re- You still drinking the freaking Mountain Dew? Okay. All right, we ready Let's to bring dive us in. into
3: this sucker? Um, I'll bring it in if you want me to. You go, man. You go, girl. Works. Are we going straight into to emails? He's so crazy. <laughs> All right, we ready for this. Do we know what episode this is? No, we never we
1: never announce the episode numbers anymore. Okay. Cuz sometimes they get posted out of order.
2: Hold on a second. I gotta, I gotta right. check my blood pressure. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.
1: Oh, for God's sake.
2: Can you hear it beeping?
3: Hold on.
1: Somebody's gotta get Bill out of the iron lung so we could start. <laughs> I'm just what?
3: kidding. What are you What are you doing in front of the computer that your blood pressure's off?
2: I'm just joking. I'm just. This is just for comedic. Put your pants you on. He's, he's He's eating a salt lick. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I I was feeling a little under the weather or tepid the other night, so I was like. I said, Ben, go get me the blood pressure cuff. I took my blood pressure. It was 120 over 74. I'm like, son of a bitch. No wonder. <laughs> if my blood pressure is perfect. That's why I don't feel good.
0: <laughs> that's pretty bad.
2: <laughs> so, anyway.
3: Uh, all right. We ready? Whenever See. you are. All right. Hello, and welcome to Back to the Bins. This is episode number <coughs> bullshit. <I'm>, uh, <laughs> my name is Scott Gardner. Joining me are, as always, Mr. Paul Spitaro. Hey, how you doing? Hey, doing great. How are you? That's my line, by the way. And the doctor, Dr. Bill
2: Robinson. Hey, how's it going? <laughs>
3: sons of bitches. Stop stealing my line. I got one Rain. thing to do on this show. <laughs> oh, man. What, what else do
1: we have? We got... Uh... Ah! it's like we have scott lmd here
3: oh you guys are getting good at that too see pretty soon i don't even need to show up for this show anymore (sighs) (sighs) d-man d-man and green lantern
0: that's it
3: (laughs) all right well let's see I have some stuff to brag about, uh, at least I think I haven't discussed these particular books before, but before I get into that, do you guys have any stuff to talk about? What's new for you in the world of back is you comic books?
1: Well, I'm gonna, I don't have the specifics in front of me, so I can't say the specific issues, but I do want to send a thank you out. I'm going to brag that I was sent some books by Russell Bragg. Uh, and, he, and he, he sent me something saying something to the effect of, it's not because I feel sorry for you. It's just to thank you for doing the show, which <laughs> says to me, it's because you feel sorry for me. <laughs> yep, exactly. But that's okay. that's I exactly. am not above pity books.
2: Is it, is it sorry or they just want you to shut up?
1: Exactly. Uh,
2: well, I'm never going sure, I to
1: shut up.
3: I wanted to reach out for you and your wine a thon. So here's some books for you. Now, shut the hell up. You're some cheese to go with that wine. It
1: is very much appreciated. Russell is is, is a very very nice guy, and it's much appreciated. <laughs> I know I know. Generally, they only count when they go to you, Scott. But what are you gonna do?
3: Well, do you know where they are yet? Uh, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I got them. I just don't have them in front of me. I know there were a couple issues oh. of the Flash. There was a Supergirl in there. There was a DC Comics Presents. There was nice. uh, like a DC Who's Who kind of book. Some oh. good stuff good
2: well right. well maybe someday if i can ever see scott in person again i'll find out what michael sent me
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: it's it's a, it was it was an envelope of ebola
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: that's
2: not nice
3: well see the problem is we were both supposed to be going to uh to JekyllCon and now neither one of us is going to jekyll oh Con you're not
2: going not sure. either
3: I I I don't uh, see how I can. I mean it's it's so close to Christmas and everything and we're broke and we're trying to save up money for uh for a special vacation that we want to take in the spring. So I just I can't. I can't justify to, any
1: expenses right now. Trying to save mm. up some money so we can buy some coal for the Christmas holidays.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> bah. Well, well, I mean i i I don't want to jinx it but essentially we we really really want to go to disneyland um in april next year and so we're we're getting serious about trying to save up for that and make that happen so there's going to be some belt tightening going on between now and then so you're gonna drive Uh, out there or fly oh fly yeah that's that's gotta be a torturous drive I would love to drive because I hate to fly. But, I mean, by the time we'd get there, I'd be like, okay, I'm due back at work, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what,
1: what
2: would the drive be from Orlando to to whatever, oh, Los Angeles? Well, it just so happens that I drove Sick. from Port Richie to San Diego. And? And it was uh, very long. I Texas saw when the Ricardos was... and the Mertzes
1: did it, but I didn't really get a time. I need directions. <laughs> You stop every ten miles. Excuse me. No, you I, to Disneyland?
0: I. I, I <laughs> think he's asking
3: Siri. Getting directions to Disneyland Resort. <laughs> Let's find out. No, you okay. drove... take
2: your time. We don't have a show going on or anything here, Siri. <laughs> I drove from Port Richie all the way to San Diego, and it took us about <coughs> a good three to four days we were just t- doing a leisurely pace now I mean another guy drove from San Diego to Middletown Pennsylvania and we did it in 50 hours straight straight through except for sleeping for six hours Disneyland but that was when I was young I could do that so you could basically crash.
1: do it in two full
2: days like I totally forgot what yeah we're all stepping on each other
3: it's like she just spaced out or something she started doing it and I was like nah I just don't feel like it uh that's, let's that's, see the, here you know, what series <laughs> Oh, as this <laughs> <laughs> here, it would take a one day fourteen hours.
2: So yeah, what? So thirty eight hours. Says. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Thirty eight no. hours nonstop. There, yeah, nonstop. If you're a robot and you're going sixty <laughs> miles per hour the whole way. <laughs> well, the one Come thing on. I
1: do find with those, uh, you know, with the with the uh, what you call it the the maps mapping systems is. When they estimate the time, they do not estimate you limiting yourself to 55 miles an hour. Oh, yes, this is very true. You know, it'll tell me you're going to be there in seven minutes, but you're 12 miles away. Well, you know what? I'd have to go a bit over 55 miles an hour to do that then, won't I?
2: (laughs) Or, you know, they don't take into account the local traffic and, you know, because my GPS lies to me all the time. Oh, you're going to get there at 830. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But but don't you feel a sense of accomplishment when the – like if the GPS says
1: you're going to get there at, 8, at 8.30 and you're making good time and then it clicks to you're going to get there at 8.29? Don't you okay, feel like a yeah, like, sense
2: of accomplishment when that happens? Like I'm going back in time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got some emails. Uh, but oh, yes. I, I just had some cool, – well, I had some quick comic stuff that – Go, uh, ahead, go ahead, well, give us
1: your comic stuff.
2: Well, we talked about before the show, but I just want to throw in here that we uh, Yancy Street had a – um another one of their good sales and they had it all month uh different items goodies t-shirts statues back issue bins and of course the back issue bins everything under 10 bucks was a dollar so i picked up about another uh 40 odd issues of different avengers books and some new avengers i picked up some avengers undercover some avengers world uh i still think there's way too many freaking avengers titles but you know your wife uh, lets
3: you go and drop forty bucks on on dude. I don't walk
2: books? back in and go, "Hey, look, honey." I just walk in. I walk to the garage wow. and I throw it in the garage before she can really see what I'm it's doing. It's not like it's saved in a recording or anything. Wow, she doesn't listen to this, and nobody's gonna send it to her either. Got it. I, sp- I
3: spend like ten or twelve, and I'm 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 getting the eyeball much more <laughs> than that, and I'm I'm
2: getting the lecture. <laughs> There's nothing quite like getting the stink eye. So what'd you get, man? Uh. I got, like I said, I, I got a couple of like the first three or four issues of Avengers World, Avengers Undercover. Well,
3: what I filled the up hell a is
2: of- Avengers World? I have,
3: I've never even heard of this book.
2: Is this, this is I another don't know. I Avengers? Even, I haven't uh, even okay. read it yet. It's it's I I don't know if it's I think it's spinning out of the out of the Hickman stuff that he's been doing. Right. Um, I'm not 100 sure because I I honestly have not even read it yet. But I'm just trying to, you know. But for a dollar, I'm hoping that I can't go wrong. Oh, and I go so wrong. And I, like I've said before, the hardest thing right now, trying to get these old back issues, is figuring out which volume I'm in, missing stuff in. I got to keep looking at the pictures. Okay, I, this is what the picture looks like. I'm going to have to start downloading this, these and just maybe printing them out or get a decent phone where I can just pull up a picture and go, oh, yeah, that's the one I needed. Because I'm like, well, this, is this volume three or volume five or volume two? Which volume? New Avengers, Avengers. and nah,
1: or, or you got to come with a specific want list with dates.
2: I have you can look yeah. in the
1: book and see what the date is. That's what I've yeah. ha-
2: had to do. I, I, I've had to write the volume number. I've had to write maybe a note about what's on the cover, what story like if it falls in fear itself or like shattered heroes or some different storyline or if it's Marvel Now. Then 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 I get tripped up by the point one books. <laughs> like what the f- there's a twelve point one? Where did that come from? I hate uh, the point one books.
1: I, I, now, I find that to be an annoying just, just an annoying thing that they do for promotional purposes, and and it serves yep. no real. I, I don't think it's. I don't think they they bump up the sales at all.
2: So yeah, that's. I just cleaned up a bunch of that, and because I spent over twenty five bucks, I was able to pick up um, a Avengers Origins hardcover for free. So it's nice to get cool. something for free. Sweet. Free so, is a good price. So not yes, too bad. Is. Not too bad. How's so about that? That's it for my
1: comics. Let's cut Bill off before he talks about another Avengers book. All
3: right. Well, stop me if you've heard this before, because I'm looking at this stack here, and I'm (laughs) mighty proud of it, but I can't remember if I've actually mentioned these on a show or not. I'm thinking that I think I did because I posted shitloads of pictures of them on Facebook, but I don't think I actually talked about them. But anyway, once again, uh, not long ago, I went to my old LCS, and uh, what's going on at this old LCS is that every so often... And there's no rhyme or reason or regularity to it whatsoever. But some dude is going in there and just dumping his old smelly comics. And I say smelly because most of them reek badly of cigarettes. But other than that, they're generally in great shape. It's just that they stink of cigarettes. And uh, the comic shop is taking the bulk of this stuff and just throwing it in in the dollar bin. And some really good stuff, as you know, listeners that you know have been listening to the show for a while know. I mean, that's where I got a, a Marvel team up number one was from this stuff. So I've been going back, you know, as as often as I can get up there and and actually have you know a few uh, bucks in my pocket and just going through to see is there anything new. And once again, I was up there this was a couple weeks ago, and got a nice uh, another nice little stack of uh, of some really good uh, dollar books out of there and top of the stack the one i think i was absolutely happiest to get and don't laugh but i've actually been wanting to try this for a long long time i've never read a single issue of it i only really know about it in concept but i just thought yeah if if ever chances across my path i'll pick it up if it's not too expensive because i'd just like to see what the hell the deal is with it and here it was for a dollar i got amazing adventures Featuring War of the Worlds number eighteen. Now this is the first appearance of Kill Raven, and yeah, he's wearing uh, those, he's, those killer boots in that one. He's one snappy dresser, man. I tell you what, yeah, he he looks like he's from some sort of weird like six, 70s, uh, disco S and M club or something. But it's I just I like the idea that this is a continuation. Uh, it says right here on the cover. It says based on concepts created in prof- uh, the prophetic novel by H. G. Wells. I like that the story of this thing is that it's a continuation of the classic uh, War of the Worlds story. And I've just always been really curious to check it out. And it turns out that this first issue of this um about half of the issue was drawn by Neil Adams and the the art's just unbelievable in it and and uh, and like I said I've just I've always been curious to check it out and this is the first time that the oppor- opportunity really came up to uh to delve into it on the cheap so I thought well what the hell I'll give it a whirl and see what I think of it so this is definitely going to be um a future uh back to the bin selection once I've had a chance to uh to give that a read um Got a couple of issues of, of Captain America just to kind of fill in some holes in my collection. I got 183. that has got a great cover on it. It's a Death of a Hero cover with uh, Cap is dead on the cover while um, the Falcon and Nomad look on and they look all sad and everything. Curious to check that one out. Great Kirby cover on issue 199, which just it's just one that I didn't have and got it in my collection. This one here made me really happy because uh, not long after I got it, uh, Michael Yuri the uh, publisher of Back Issue Magazine, uh, had a little article on his Facebook group about it. It's a DC Special, number 15. This is an all Plastic Man issue that actually has the uh, reprints, the classic origin of uh, Plastic Man by Jack Cole. And uh, I just thought it was cool that Michael Yuri was talking all about it. And I'm like, hey, I just picked that up for a buck. So I thought that was pretty neat. I'm looking forward to that because I love that classic... Uh, plastic man origin and then everything else i got here i bought these not knowing a damn thing about them i just saw the covers and the covers sucked me in and i thought you know what i'll risk a buck a piece on this because they just look weird enough that i'd probably get a kick out of them i have let's see here five issues of something called this is a dc book called uh from beyond the unknown and every one of them is super size they were originally 25 cents a piece but they're nice thick comics i have no idea how many uh pages are written but they're they're you know they're the super size uh style book and like i said i didn't know anything about them but i loved the covers like i've got number seven which looks basically like uh the jolly green giants coming down a beanstalk and like terrorizing a city. You've got one where an interplanetary towing service is towing the earth away, which just looks great. You've got this classic uh, joke, uh Qbert cover with a dino, uh, yeah, not a dinosaur, a caveman rather riding a, um, what do they call Pterodactyl and throwing a spear at a, uh, at an air force jet fighter, which just looks really cool. A great cover. This was the one I think that caught my eye first This great cover. I don't know who the artist is, but I would venture a guess it may be Neil Adams. And you've got these weird, like, duck-bill-looking blue alien guys riding this, like, hover cycle. And they're flying by a very Planet of the Apes-looking Statue of Liberty. You know, she's she's, uh, from Beyond the Unknown, it says. What issue number? Uh, This issue number is... I think it's number eight. Okay. It's a little bit scuffed, you, so it's hard to see. You keep talking about it. I'm
1: going to try and look it up
3: while you're talking. But it's just, I love this cover because the uh, the Statue of Liberty is is you know all beat up and it's got holes in it and the arms snapped off and everything. And one of the aliens is driving the bike, and then the other one standing up behind him. He says, uh, "Station Mars on the air. You are now viewing the remains of the greatest city on Earth." And then the last one, eh, it's not the greatest cover. It just says The fish Men of Earth, and it's got these people that are, are learning to fly. Uh, and it says, we're like fish in an ocean, an ocean of air. So it's just a really strange cover. Give that So as, ocean soon, as, got, air. <laughs> so as <laughs> soon as I got home, I looked these up. I'm like, what the hell is this? I've never even heard of this title. And it turns out that it's a reprint book, and it's reprinting a bunch of classic DC um science fiction stuff like uh, like stories from like Mystery and Space and um, oh shoot what was space, the other space? space 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 I'm trying to remember the other space um, you know the science fiction title that, that DC had back in the 50s and, and I, I've just completely blanked but a lot of stuff by like uh, Carmen Infantino and you know classic uh, sci-fi comic book um, writers and, and artists from you know DC's early Silver Age, and it just looks like fun. It just you know they're all anthologies, and uh, it just looks really interesting to me. So I thought, well, what the hell for a dollar a piece can't go wrong. But I, the one I was I was most pleased with was definitely that um, uh, Amazing Adventures number eighteen because that's something I've really been wanting to try for a while to see that I, if I would like it or not. So
1: yeah, I'm surprised you would find it out. back. For yeah, that's that's impressive. I have the uh, the essential on that. I think.
3: Oh, do you? Pretty sure I, I do. Did, I didn't know there wasn't oh, a
2: essential kill Unless raven. Unless
1: I'm mistaken, yeah, I think it's a kill raven in essential. I oh, think that's I cool. Have.
2: Now, I'm not meaning to to crack a joke on this, but do you Guess think you that the do you think that the smell of those comics is actually what is just having them like they don't want to listen to people bitch. Oh, these things stink! Can you can you lower the price on this? That they just don't even want to deal with the hassle of people complaining about the smell of the books, and that's why I've, they're just throwing them in there.
3: I've been kind of wondering about that. I was tempted to ask the guy, you know, hey, why are these only in the dot, you know, and why are these in the dollar bin? And I, and I thought, well, you know, for one, why look a gift horse horse in the mouth? Why give him incentive to go? Hey, you know. If this guy's telling me that he would have paid, you know, 20 bucks for this, then, hey, you know, next time I won't throw it in the dollar bin. So I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to mm. spoil a good thing. So I didn't ask him, but I'm I'm curious. I wonder if the smell thing might be part of it. Um, I mean, not every one of them is in, in great condition, but I mean, so far, the ones that I've dug out have been, you know, really good condition to where you could have gotten more than a dollar for them. Particularly, you know, like that Marvel team up number one, this DC special with Plastic Man. I mean, I, I I couldn't tell you exactly what it goes for in the in the back issue market, but I know it goes for a hell of a lot more than a dollar. So I'll
2: buy that for more than a dollar. Yeah,
3: I'm yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue. I'm always on the on the lookout for, you know, good deals on cheap comics. And there you go. These are the best deals I've gotten in a long time. So I'm going to milk it <laughs> for as, as much and as long as I can. <laughs> and uh, for what it's
1: worth, the uh, cover on From Beyond the Unknown, number eight, artist mm-hmm. Neil Adams.
3: Neil Adams. Yeah, I thought it might be. I thought it might be because that statue. You can, thank, looked uh, like can thank Mike's Amazing World for that. Mike's Amazing World. I love that site. Now, Thanks, looking Mike. in the in the stories that are listed, if you're still looking at the site, what what are the, some of the books that those uh, stories are reprinted from? Because all that's, I can it's think that's of is seven stories. Oh, Strange list. Adventures. That's the other one I was trying to. Strange Adventures. So that, yeah, there's stories from. Mystery in space and strange adventures. That was it. It's got seven stories listed, and each one is
1: a hyperlink that I can go to it and see where it was originally printed. But it doesn't list it on the one page for the the right. master page for the
3: issue. No, that's okay. You don't have to click on it because I, I think it, I think everything in all the issues that I got are from stories from one of those two titles. I just I had blanked. I was trying to think because I knew that that. Well, I clicked uh, on
1: the first one, and that's from Mystery in Space.
3: Station yeah, Mars on, on the me.
1: air, mystery in space.
3: Isn't that what I said?
1: Uh, you said strange adventures, didn't you?
3: Yeah, strange adventures, in, yeah, and and
2: mystery in space, oh, yeah, okay. both. Uh, from, there's strange misadventures titles. in space. <laughs> <laughs> misadventures well, with strangers in space.
3: We <laughs> want to go ahead and dive into the email. Might as well. I got the first one right. Uh, do you? I don't know. Do I? You tell me. Well, the
1: first one, the oldest one in the the box, is from Chris Franklin, I
3: believe. Oh, okay. Do you have that? that
1: No, I don't have that one. Okay, well then, I will read that. That's from September
2: 16th. Now, there was some contention that these have been read, but I've been overruled. But I'm probably wrong, as usual. There you go. There's a nice soundbite for you, Paul. Okay. So, the first one is from Chris Franklin of the
1: Supermates uh, podcast and Power Records podcast. And
3: he's a little black kid in all those Charlie Brown specials too, right? No, that's just Franklin. Oh, okay. This is Chris Franklin. <laughs> well, at least he didn't say Pigpen.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, Chris writes, Great show, guys. Always nice to hear Jay David stop by any show. My only, ex- only exposure to The Ultimates was in the two animated movies, which weren't bad. This does indeed sound like a prologue, What's wrong with Modern Comics 101? I think Peter Krause's art was a huge stumbling block for Power of Shazam. I think if Ordway had drawn the book from the get go, it would have lasted longer. Krause is by no means a bad artist, but his style is very bland. And his characters definitely do look doughy and bloated. His Captain Marvel often looked like a slightly overweight, balding cosplayer to me.
0: Dr. Looked- Druid! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> loved Ordway's covers and enjoyed the series when i followed it but the art kind of did it in for me i'm insanely jealous of mr Weeder for having the orig that original Ordway piece as are we as well that's that's an awesome thing to own i was grinning from ear to ear when you ran the quick draw audio clip with snuffles he's a running gag at our house i thought we were the only ones who remembered him no, I I remember him as well, and that's why how he made his way in. But uh, I'm glad I'm glad there's at least one listener out there who appreciated it. <laughs> not much to say on Brit, just not my cup of tea. You get what you see, what he did there, British. <laughs>
0: tea.
1: Useless factoid. Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore hail from my small hometown. They actually graduated from my high school just a few years after me. Despite our common interests, I never knew either of them. Chris Franklin. Supermates podcast, Power Records podcast.
2: Oh, come on. You know he was beating them up and taking their lunch money. Probably. <laughs> you
0: know, before
3: cop, we got going, right? we were talking about people we need to get on the show. We need to get Chris on the show. I would well, hate to agree with you. He's written I, in a number of times. We need to talk to him. I thought you were going to say people we need to beat
2: up and take their lunch money. <laughs> well, or that,
3: yeah.
1: Either one, on, I'm on not the, good. Either uh, way. On the uh, Power Records podcast, they actually did a uh, commentary for Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Which is one of my all-time favorite movies. So that was just awesome. Hmm. And if that was a on, power that would be great. Record? what's that? That was a Power Record. Well, no, it wasn't a Power Record, but it's on the you know the Fire and Water podcast. Ah, I gotcha. Which is okay. where the, po- the Power Records
3: podcast also go. I gotcha. Okay, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. No, I probably didn't say it clearly enough. I have to apologize.
2: It's yeah, his accent. It's, it's really thick.
3: What the hell is a longa? A longa? Yeah, it's longer. There's an e and an r in that word. You said longa. I'm like, what the hell is a longa?
1: When did I say that?
3: <laughs> when you were reading the email. Well, you know what? Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was going to be a word with an F in there. <laughs> this
0: you is the talk- way.
1: This is the way I talk.
3: Dis dis. Uh, oh,
0: and it was
1: good enough. It got me onto the uh, the Comics Code Authority uh, podcast. Oh that my Emily god. Did. I got to play Jack Kirby. Did you get to play Jack Kirby? I don't think you did. There we go again. I I,
2: I wasn't even on that. I I wasn't even picked. It's it's because you say longer. (laughs) You and Stephen Lacey. Oh, boy. Don't ever say that again. That was creepy.
1: (laughs) It's like when on Taxi, when Latka Gravis tried to speak with a a cool accent.
0: (laughs) I don't remember
2: that one. There's something for
1: you to look up, then.
2: I remember when the, uh, Jim was trying to take the driver's test, and he, kept, and, and he turned to them and said, what do you do when you come to a, a yellow light? And they go, slow down. And he goes, what do you? And then they go, slow down. And he goes, what do you? Sorry. Oh, do I have the next one?
1: Or, or you could just keep doing uh, Jim Ignatowski <laughs> imitations all night.
2: Maybe I'll read the whole letter as Jim Ignatowski. Should please, I
1: Please, do please don't. <laughs> God, I'll take a nap. I'll come back.
2: No, I won't read it slow. Yeah. All right. Our next one comes from... Or, or can we, um, Sorry, I'm locking up. Not enough Mountain Dew. You
1: you realize I'm not going to cut
2: this down to make you sound better. Oh, no, no. I wouldn't expect <sighs> Just like the goofy go... Oh, no, 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 no. Please don't cut it down. No, no. Make me look stupid. (laughs) Catching up from Russell Bragg. Hi, guys. I don't remember the episode for which I last wrote you, so I decided to write a general email. Plus the show uh, I am very known for writing, to, Superman in the Bronze Age is no more. Hmm. So I had nowhere else to go. (laughs) I had nowhere else to go. I had nowhere else to
0: go. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm.
1: What sound clip should I put here?
0: I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else.
2: Just kidding. I love writing to your show. I wanted to thank you once again for plugging my show. I'm still a little nervous while recording, but I'm doing fine. And I have to say, yes, you are. I am up to – I just finished the Metal Men and I believe the Green Lantern one. I'm, I'm trying to get caught up. That's me saying that, not Russell, because why would he say that about – it? never mind. I get an email here and there, so it's a little satisfying knowing you have listeners. I am trying to get a Christmas episode recorded so that I'm not scrambling in December to, to get one finished. It's a pretty good story, not from DC Comics Presents – that I um, that I hope the listeners will enjoy. As for back to the bins, I am still listening to every episode, whether I know the comic or not. As and am enjoying. I, I enjoy your guys' banter and arguments. Oh, we don't argument. We don't fight, do we? We Shut love up. each other. Blow me. And it <laughs> always sounds like you're having a good time. I am going to have to agree with Paul, however, as I don't remember a lot of talk about Brave and the Bold issues. Oh no! Now he's going to get all. His head barely fits in the Skype window as it is. I have listened to all the Ben's episodes and couldn't remember. That's not to say there weren't any, but I think I'd remember saying to myself, oh no, not another Brave and the Bold comic. I'm having trouble when it comes to Planet of the Apes. My wife is giving me grief because I bought it and want to watch it. She definitely won't be watching with me. Is there anything I could say to her to calm, to calm the waters? Yeah, Go leave, woman. Go somewhere else.
1: It's. It's. I'm gonna watch Planet of the Apes while I'm doing that. Perhaps you can make me dinner.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is Is there laundry to be done? Is there Is there dishes to be cleaned? I suggest you do them. Yeah. Okay. That's all I can think of to say for now. Just wanted the uh, you to know I'm still enjoying and still thinking. Uh, thanking you for keeping me entertained at work, I remain your humble listener, but not but not toady like Professor Allen. Oh, I sorry, I added that in there. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. Well, thank you once again. So you are, I think he's, uh, I think he's slowly edging out uh, Fanboy Miss prime for uh, most,
1: most emails.
2: prolific emailer. Mm-hmm. Now we'll get a flood. We've opened the floodgates. <laughs> So, I believe you have the next one there, Mr. G. All
3: right. So this one is entitled Terrible Books Hilarious Podcast. This is from Kyle Benning and he writes, "Holy crap, I laughed my ass off during this episode." Unfortunately, he doesn't say which episode it is, but I think I we think can figure it out pretty quick. <laughs> he says, "The comics were so bad, but the coverage was so great." First, not sure when you guys recorded this show, but there has been a rumor that Captain Marvel will actually be played by Jason Momoa. Is it Momoa? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't know who that is. He says Conan the Barbarian, Game of Thrones. Uh, while he is rumored to be Aquaman, there is uh, actually isn't an official casting statement by WB or Momoa. All that has been released officially from those two sources is that Momoa will in fact be in The Dawn of Justice. But there has been no confirmation uh, on his role. The Hollywood Reporter is the source of the Aquaman choice, but it has yet to be confirmed. Is that still the case? Because I thought I saw a news story about that, that they did confirm it. But I'd, I'm i not really keeping up with the DC movies, to be honest. Either, either of you guys know? No, I, I honestly don't. I, I
1: had heard his name for Aquaman, and I just took it as gospel, but perhaps not.
3: Right says, it's funny that you guys think that the cover looks like a Transformers riff. This is no coincidence. Uh, he's got to be talking about Fruit Brute Force, I'm thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Says, says, uh, this is no coincidence, as artist Jose Delbo had a fairly lengthy run drawing the Marvel Transformers comic. Simon Furman is uh, actually a pretty solid writer. His run on Marvel Transformers was great. He created the character Death's Head, a pretty awesome intergalactic bounty hunter. But what the hell were they doing here? Save the Earth enslave animals and mechanized death machines was Sequest on TV, uh, uh, and at the same time that this issue was released, it says maybe they were trying to cash in on the apparent uh, sent. Uh, I think he men, means sentient, sentient talking dolphin craze. Bill gave this thing a C. What? This thing is a turd. There's no way it earned an average grade. Beast Wars started in, I want to say, 1994 and 1995, so I think it predates it by half a decade. I wondered if this was maybe a riff on the Battle Beasts of the late 80s, uh, which were cyborg animals with battle armor that had uh, animal-themed vehicles that transformed into bases. In Japan, the later Transformers Headmasters cartoon series Tied these battle bees into Transformers, but I don't think that connection or crossover uh ever occurred here in the US. Uh, you got me on that, man. Transformers is not my strong suit. He says, wait, did Scott just praise a Morrison comic? Hell has frozen over. And I was reading this going, what the hell one was I talking about? It had to be we Three. Um, mm. which, you know, yeah, yeah, a Morrison book goes, I, I didn't think was half bad. You know. While I would love to see the guy get hit by a train or something, at the same rate, I mean, I don't hate everything he's written. Uh, There's that, um, what was the DC, 1 million, DC Mm 1 million. I actually liked that. I was actually quite the fan of that when it came out. Now, I haven't read it since it was new, so I might have a different opinion of it now. But back when it was coming out, I actually dug that quite a bit. Did you read Seven Soldiers? No, no. Um, no, I didn't. I've heard mixed things about it, but uh, no, I never did check that out. Uh, he says, ha, ha ha ha. He says, I laughed so hard at Scott's comment that this should be a new 52 book <laughs> uh, for Scott's book. I do dig this cover. Now, what book did I have for that? One? You had the one with the know. flying horse. Oh, that's right. He says, uh, like Scott, I've been trying to track down, uh, track it down under the incorrect assumption that this was a shining Or so, OK, yes. All right. Now I know the one he's talking about. Uh, sounds like I'm not missing much. No, sadly, you are not. It says Paul's book sounds terrible. Holy crap! I hope you didn't pay anything for it. What was that? Was that F Troop? Yep. Oh <laughs> <my God.
0: laughs>
3: Another fantastic and entertaining episode of Bins. And again, that's from Kyle Benning. Thank you, Kyle. I really enjoyed that email. Yeah, that's funny, good. especially when you made fun of Bill.
2: Hey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the next email in our Voluminous email bag is from Mr. Luke Giaconetti. Some say, I don't know anything to say there, but I just I just have to do the Andy introduction anyway. It is titled "Brute Force and Ignorance: How I Live My Life." Dr. Bill, producer Paul, and superlative Scott. Well, where did this superlative Scott thing come from? I I, I just don't get it. Regarding brute force, much as Simon Furman is best known for his work on Transformers. Jose Delbo is best known as an artist on both UK and US Transformers comics. Brute Force itself was similar to Crystar from the 80s in that it was a comic book designed to inspire a toy line as opposed to a comic book tie-in to an existing toy line like G.I. Joe or Transformers. Unlike Crystar, which did lead to a toy line, Brute Force never did inspire any toy manufacturer to license them. What? Although I think it's pretty easy to envision how the toys would work. Sort of like Dino Riders, realistic animal toys with removable armor. The entire concept was apparently Bob Budansky's idea, which makes sense as he was the original creator of the concept, factions and characters of the Transformers. The brute force team apparently recently appeared in, a, in the Marvel universe properly as part of a Deadpool annual. That I did not know.
3: Yeah, I heard that. I mean, we were seeking
1: out. <laughs> Brute Force has no connection in any way to the Transformers beyond the contributions of creators such as Budansky, Furman, and Delbo. The segment from Adventure Comics reads something li- like something one might find in the back pages of one of Marvel's supernatural books from the 1970s. 16 pages of Morbius the Living Vampire, and then 8 pages of inane nonsense about flying horses. <laughs> I still find these anthology books to be fun, but this particular one seemed a little disjointed and confused. Nice cover, though.
3: Mm-hmm. I think that's
1: the universal opinion on that book. It's yeah. the nice cover.
3: Yeah, get it for the cover, because the rest of it's shit. It's, it's like the uh, the Dead parrot skit on uh,
1: Monty Python. It's a lovely plumage, though. (laughs) Beautiful plumage. As far as F Troop, I think I'd rather read a Sergeant Bilko Bilko comic, being as I do not know if there indeed was a Sergeant Bilko comic. Instead, I'll read some Top Cat comics. Yes, when this email came in, I posted a Sergeant Bilko cover on uh,
3: Luke's Facebook
1: page. Uh, Don't
3: ask me how I know that, but I know that. I I think it was a Dell. I think Sergeant Bilko was Dell. Well, F Troop was Dell, though, wasn't it?
1: But f- i think, troop, I, think was, was, I
3: think i think bilko might have been dc back in the 50s oh, was they, it
1: oh, okay they had, uh, they had like jerry lewis and dean martin they had the yeah Hunters. that's right yeah
3: i just i know that i've seen at least one cover of a sergeant bilko comic I'd, I'd put money on it instead i'll just read some top cat comics which are bound to be better than this silly book
1: as a kid i loved nick at night and all of the old shows they're in but even i couldn't get into f troop yeesh Hope the next one has a better draw, fellas. But fun show
3: nonetheless. Luke, you know, so- I re-listened to that one recently, and you know, as painful as it was reading that shit for that show, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm with the listeners, man. The lousy books do sometimes make for the very best episodes because all three of those books were shit. <laughs> I
1: agree. I agree. And it, but it does make for some fun conversation sometimes. I mean, if we did Mm -hmm. shit books all the time, I don't think I would enjoy it. No. No, Once in a while.
3: I'd eat a bullet eventually. Well, we could change the name Shit to the Bins or something. (laughs) Back to the shit. All right. Well, the next
1: email I think is really, it's appropriate that you should be reading it, Doctor.
2: Okay. And this comes from Brian Hughes. And this is subject, Dr. Bill and his kidneys. Dr. Bill. (laughs) Is that your backup singers, the kidneys, <laughs> Doctor <and> his kidneys? <laughs> Doop, bop, <laughs> ow, 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 ow. Oh. Doctor Bill, I have been listening for a good while now, and I can tell you what is causing your kidney stones: caffeine. I know this as if I has as, as blah. I know this as I have had over one hundred stones since the age of eighteen. He's got a lot of stones, that guy. I, I'm telling you. Now I am actually to the point where if I drink a twelve ounce Mountain Dew within hours, I get that horrible pain in my lower back, then it moves and bingo, I pass a stone. Jesus. Man. dehydrate, oh, man, that's a horrible pain. I, I that's a pain. I know that I'm pain. I'm
3: sorry, Brian. That's not funny, but the way you wrote it, it's it's hysterical. I'm sorry. <laughs> and bingo, I pass a stone. Bingo,
0: it's a like,
2: stone! It's like it's like you shooting them like, you know, tingle. <laughs> Oh, I shot the cat with a stone. Oh my God, Alvin! Oh, what have I done? The old lady across the bingo table from him loses an eye. Well, you got to think where that stone's coming from too. That's kind of funny. Oh, sorry. Dehydration will cause it as as well for me. Basically, when your kidney gets irritated, they secrete the stones much like an oyster making a pearl, though crystalline and sharp, not smooth and valuable.
1: Well, I, I understand, you know, since dehydration causes it, the best thing for that is piss warm uh, Mountain Dew. <laughs> uh,
0: if <laughs> I
2: think it's water, Paul.
1: Oh, oh yeah, well, that's another option.
2: Yeah. Usually works much, much better. Although that, that, that warm Mountain Dew does pass rather quickly. So, if my kidneys start hurting, I will take some AZO. I'm not sure what AZO for the urine U tract to ease the stones passing. It helps a lot. Maybe that's those purple pills they gave that made me piss blue. Anyway, anyway, I thought I should pass this along to you as you keep mentioning Mountain Dew on the podcasts. Stay away from caffeine. I know it is hard. I still cheat from time to time and suffer for it. Yeah, but man, I am a son of a bitch <laughs> if I don't if I go without caffeine for a while. Oh, keep recording. I will keep listening. Thanks, Brian Hughes. Uh, (laughs) I'm trying. It's hard. It's hard. (sighs) I think I'm drinking like a two liter a day. (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's that's cutting back. (laughs) That's cutting back. I'm trying to get down to like a one liter. And I mean, I've quit in, in the past and I've been able to go, but I just, I don't, I don't know if it's my personality, you know, thank God I'm not a gambler, you know. But uh, it just, it'll just be like, oh, I'll just get some some unsweet tea. Then you get that caffeine taste back in. And then the next thing you know, your, your main line in an IV would freaking warm out and do. So. I
1: just need some caffeine, man. <laughs> just
2: another just a little caffeine. <laughs> well, you know, well, plus I, I get the caffeine headaches. And that, that takes like about a good day or two to get rid of. And then, you know, you can't. You can't drink anymore. I, it's, I don't know. I'll probably waffle back and forth. I haven't had any other stones since then, so l- luckily, you know. Hopefully, they won't come back. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll find out. I'm good for now. So on to our next email. Is that the one on the twentieth? That is.
3: All right. All right, so the next one is entitled Hulk Smash, Puny Public Enemies. I love this one. This is from Luke Giaconetti, and he writes, Pliers of the Time Stream. He says, interesting pair of books this time out with Incredible Hulk and Batman Superman. Yeah, okay, I'm going to interrupt for a second. Scott, do you know why there was an interesting pair of books? <laughs>
2: it's because Bill couldn't be All right. All right. It's, All right. it's, <laughs> it's in the end you. of the email, too. Enough already. <laughs> So the Hulk is a character who
3: has always appealed to me, but I've never actually uh, never actually bit the bullet on uh, and started to collect. You know, see, I was the same way. It's it's weird that way because I really like the character, but I'm the, exactly the same way. Just never really uh, collected him for all that that long of a time. Anyway, he continues here. He says, uh, it's issues like this that make me want to start collecting. I know opinions vary on Herb Trimpey's artwork, but I tend to dig it. I have been uh, really enjoying his artwork on Shogun Warriors, which I've been covering on Earth Destruction Directive. He says, which from a thematic standpoint is similar to The Incredible Hulk. That is, both books are ultimately about monsters fighting monsters or monsters fighting robots, as we see here. So I can dig his work on old green jeans. Perhaps for me, Trimpy is like George Tuska, where their uh, work looks good on certain properties, monsters and robots for uh, Trimpy, Iron Man for Tuska, but they just don't work as well on other properties. As far as MODOK, I do know that uh, he didn't give up the giant robot body deal, as he did fight Iron Man while wearing it in Iron Man number 74 from 1975, after the quote-unquote acclaimed, ha, he says, War of the Super storyline. I have not read Batman Superman, but I do concur that the Public Enemies movie is one of the best DC animated features. Being the Hawkman fan that I am, I really enjoyed seeing the winged wonder uh, on the small screen in that one. I agree. I thought he was handled really well in that. I did want to comment on Scott's thoughts on Batman's origin changing uh, regarding whether or not he catches his parents murder uh, murderer. Uh, Batman not knowing who the murderer of his parents uh, was was a retcon which dates back to zero hour in 1994. See, I thought that, but I wasn't sure that I was I was right on that, so that's why I didn't say it. But that's what I had thought. Uh, I want to say this particular retcon was by Doug Mensch in the pages of Batman number zero. Again, I think you're right, Luke. It says, uh, but I do not know. Uh, but I do not know uh, that for sure. I'm sorry. Let me read that again. But I do not know that for sure. Uh, I do remember being 14 and wondering what the big deal about this res- uh, retcon was when it went down, but now I can see what the big deal is. Both sides of this retcon have merit, but my Batman Minimum Appreciation Index, copyright Luke 80 2011, score is too low uh, for me to really make a statement which side is better. Overall, though, I have to say I give this show the following ratings. Scott A., Paul A., Dr. Bill, incomplete. Seriously, Dr. Bill, bring a book. Thanks, dudes. Luke, Jack, and Eddie. Thank Poor you, Luke, Bill. and we agree.
2: Yes. Hey, wasn't I on the road for that Luke. one? I was on the road, I think. Two shows in a row. I was, and we did two shows, but back to hey, back. Hey, Bill.
3: We as far as I could what? tell. I think you need to read this next one, dude. The one right after Luke's. We have one after Luke's? I thought Luke's was the last
2: one. <laughs> That's the last wow. one I have. I,
3: I, I tell you what, I, I maybe you guys aren't seeing it, because I know that we're looking at two different email inboxes here. Let, let me read this, because I think this is going to make your day, all right? Okay. This one is entitled Avengers Spotlight Rebuttal. This oh, is no, from... that,
1: that. I'm sorry, Scott, I don't want to interrupt you.
3: We read that in the oh, okay. Spotlight ups,
2: issue we did. Okay, it, all right. Is that from, is that from Dewey? Yes. Ah, uh, yes.
3: Okay, all right, that's all right. You can feel free to cut all that out then. No, I'm going to leave it in to make you look silly.
2: <laughs> Believe me, he does it all the time. No, I'll cut it out. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, yeah. well, <laughs> well, it's Scott, blah, Scott, because Scott's my buddy.
1: It. I got to take care oh, of it. <laughs>
3: now I want you to leave it in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe a will, <little> <laughs> then. All right,
3: who's got the first book here? Uh, that's that's Marvel Boy.
2: Marvel Boy. <laughs> yeah, I see Marvel myself. Eh, special marvel boy <clears throat> yes my book tonight i have the marvel and i have dr strange volume number two issue 29 and uh this was on sale in march 14th 1978 Cover date is june 1978 a whopping 35 cents count them 0.35 cents this would be ten cents higher than what Doctor Allen would, uh, Professor Allen would want to pay for him. That's right. I'm Doctor Bill. He's Professor Allen. <laughs> hey, has uh, so has he been? Uh, has he gotten around to your list of things that you wanted done, Paul? Know, the last time I asked him to
1: do something, he stormed off, saying something about how you and I deserve each other.
2: I don't, I don't know what he meant by that. Hmm. Hmm. But you he, you get, get, do- he better
1: get cracking, or he's going to lose this un-
2: unpaid internship? You think you could get Doctor Doom to come back? I don't. I don't need college dropouts here. Ah, well, maybe we get Doctor Strange to be our intern. He he can't do any surgeon stuff. His hands all screwed up. Anyway, <clears throat> our cover is by Frank Bruner, and uh, it's a rather striking pose of the the, the Death Stalker. Over our two heroes on the book, he's like two times, two or three times the size of Nighthawk, uh, Kyle Richmond and Stephen Strange, Dr. Strange. And it says, Nighthawk joins Dr. Strange to face the macabre threat of he who stalks. And and I've lost my synopsis. Where the hell did it go? Come
0: on!
2: <laughs> <laughs> our writer is Roger Stern. Penciler is Tom Sutton. Inker is Ernie Chan. Letterer is Annette Kowicki. And colorist is Petra Scottesi or Goldberg, I guess depending on what her person's marital status was at the time. And just like the cover says, our story name is He Who Stocks. Af- recuperating after his battle with the in-betweener, Doctor Strange and Clea are about to get it on when Wong comes in and puts the kibosh on the fun. Apparently Steven had been playing phone tag with Hank Pym, Doctor Yellowjacket, <clears throat> or Captain Slappy, as we like to call him. <clears throat> Jacket tells him that the Black Knight statue has been stolen from the Sanctum and destroyed. Well, maybe if Hank hadn't been punching it, it would have been destroyed. When Strange tells the Avengers of the In-Betweeners' warning of Thanos, the Beast tells Doctor Strange that they've handled it. The phone call, <clears throat> the, the phone call answered. It's now down to business, and business is good. But wait! What is that at the window? Wet blanket number two, Kyle Richmond. Nighthawk asks for help to resolve a series of mysterious hauntings happening at the Richmond Enterprises Research Lab. Kyle's own investigations have uncovered thefts and personnel that think they are being haunted and threatened by demons. Eventually, one of the scientists is killed inside a locked room, seemingly dying of fright. Strange and Richmond head off to the research center, leaving Strange's disciple Clea behind. A fact that she is not happy about and means to rectify in the future. Maybe Wong
1: is going to get some now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What? uh, Never mind. Wong, Wang. Well, anyway. Once on site, Doc Strange changes into something a little inconspicuous. (laughs) Okay, not really. What? (laughs) I said okay, not really. He looks like Dracula as one of the onlookers is reminded that he needs to pick up a costume. After questioning another scientist who had been working with the man that was that was killed, they find that he that that he too is plagued by demons and and the ghost of his dead colleague. Later that night, the man enters a lab and is then confronted by the ghost. Strange and Nighthawk quickly spring into action to save him and learn that the villain Deathstalker is the ghost. He is trying to steal the new prototype, Proto-Converter, to free himself from the limbo he is trapped in and then use it as a weapon. Confronted by the two heroes, Deathstalker is defeated when a blast from the Proto-Converter is redirected back at him by the Eye of Agamato. Domo Arigato, Eye of (laughs) Agamato. The Eye was protecting Strange's physical form while the Doc was out and about in his astral one Deathstalker's body disappears in the explosion, And the two former members of the Defenders leave thinking that there may now, in fact, be a bigger mystery than before. Next issue, A Gathering of Fear. And I love this issue just for, well, there's a lot of, I like a lot of things in this issue. But one of the big ones, there are so many callbacks in this issue to other issues that just reminds me of old school books that you just can't, you don't get the references. I mean, page one, we've got a reference to dr strange issues 23 through 28 defenders 58 through 60 next page avengers 157 uh, last issue marvel two and one annual number two it just goes on and on and on with all the references through the book to other but daredevil 152 it i love it because this always got me jazzed and interested to go find these other books to see where these other stories came from and i just really miss that but it with today's comics, what's the point? Because everything, you know, everything's done in six-issue blocks for trades. And you can't have, I don't think you can really keep the coherent continuity like you could back back at this time. What do you guys think on that?
0: Well,
3: I mean, I think they they keep a pretty decent continuity. It's not like it used to be. It's not as as tight as it used to be. A lot of times you have different facets of the same universe kind of off doing their own thing. But uh I I completely agree with you. I I miss them being more this way. I I miss editors notes. I miss discovering new things and and new storylines and new corners of a of a particular universe your comic book universe that I had no idea of just because of editors notes. Cuz when I when I started collecting comics, I mean I I started collecting comics you know, essentially for for just two titles, and that quickly branched out to you know the uh, by this point it's probably hundreds of of different titles that I'm interested in and hundreds of characters I'm interested in because of things like footnotes. You know, you'd you'd read an issue of you know whatever Spider Man or something, and it would reference some other book and often some other character's book, and the next thing you know, well I'm curious to go check that story out, so you'd go check that story out, and that's where those you know, those branches or those webs were created where all of a sudden you're sucked into this entire universe because of all the branches that you followed with all these references all over the place. I love stuff like that. I completely agree with you. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that, too. And, and this particular issue kind of has that
1: feel for me. It's almost like a nostalgic feeling, not just from the footnotes within it, but I feel like I'm reading this because of that, because we handled the Deathstalker issue of Daredevil about a month ago or so, and... We talked about his future, which this takes place later than that one. And then in the episode I did last week with Tom DJ, he specifically brought up this, this issue. So it's just by chance that Bill picked the same issue that Tom had talked about. But it really kind of just fits so well that I really, really enjoyed reading this one. And I, I, I kind of like that Doctor Strange looks like he's getting ready to do a little rear entry on Clea at the very. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, she's got that. Yeah, I mean, that's not. I mean, not, she's, she's not,
1: putting that that caboose out for him there.
2: That's that's mm-hmm. that's not your casual wear, okay? That's uh, that's getting it on where.
1: It's it's. I mean, isn't it, tell me
2: it's not surprising that
1: he's not lifting up the back part of it.
2: <laughs> I don't think there is a back part of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
2: It- there might be one. Well, it looks like there's one in the drawing, but you know, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. He's got he's, his uh, he's got his
1: erotic wear on himself.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's got the shirt open down. He's got the he's got he's drinking from the gold goblet there. Like, he's wearing yeah, like a union it. suit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and here comes Wong with the phone. Yeah, you know
1: you know what? If I'm there with my girlfriend and we're both wearing our sexy clothes, there's nothing I want more than Wong to come in and tell me how yellow jackets on the phone. <laughs>
2: yeah. Take a message. Tell to go Mom, You
1: idiot. I know you're asexual, but
2: but please leave the room. And he says, Ah, yes. The master. Oh, yeah, that's no Asian stereotype there, Bill. Ah, yes, the master is in, but should I interrupt them? Mistress Clea and the Master have been through so much lately. They so need this time to themselves. And yet, he I come ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Maybe he's like Cato from the Cato. He comes out in (laughs) slow motion with the phone. (laughs) Say no more, Wong. This should only take a minute, my love. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, that's what you said last night. So (laughs) get some mystical Viagra or something.
3: They're just starting to get it
2: on again and then. (laughs) <laughs> night shows on. night hogs he's real inconspicuous he's just he's like hanging on the outside of the window hello tap 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 hello <laughs> see this is oh, an I'm instance. interrupting something <laughs> how long was he really there you know he's like hmm, <laughs> i'll just stay here for a while. oh hey good evening oh how you doing oh don't mind me oh, nothing to see, see this here is, this is an
3: instance where this book could have could have benefited from being a little more modern though, because I would have loved a panel of Doctor Strange just going, "God damn it,
2: he <laughs> <laughs> just can't catch a break." <laughs> well, well, in the panel after he's talking to to the Beast, that's he he kind of looks like that when he's on, on the phone. He's like, "Uh huh, yeah, all right, all right, yeah, 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 yeah." Then he ha- hangs it up and whoo, he's got clear right back in his arms. He's like, "Okay, great, well, yeah, let's go." Oh uh, what what was oh something's at the window. Oh yeah oh Nighthawk what the hell do you want? Oh I'm not interrupting anything am I? No no come on in jackass.
1: No no I'd much rather hang out with you.
2: <laughs> yeah a guy in a in a hawk suit a lame hawk suit at that you don't even have, really have feathers.
3: Oh I like him I like Nighthawk I think he's well cool. no I'm
2: I'm just doing that for Luke you know because you know. <laughs> because it's not Hawkman. He's Hawk. So, yeah, I mean, I like the art in this. Especially Strange's uh, Sanctomorum looks pretty freaky. Not really Ditko-esque, but it still has that magical, weird quality to it. Right. It, it's, it's it's like, like a me... very Wrightson kind of vibe. A little,
1: bit, a little bit of Wrightson. I was seeing it more as a combination of Frank
3: Brunner and Gene Colan. Mm. Really. Because I see a lot of, it, you look on the page, all right, right after Nighthawk comes in, and then it cuts to that flashback of the of the doctor that looks kind of like John Byrne there. I was just going to say, <laughs> when John Byrne got
0: attacked. I, Byrne
3: I see yeah. that as, that looks a lot like, who who's that artist that took over for rights on Swamp Thing? Was that Redondo? Nestor Redondo, I think? Don't worry. maybe I've got the wrong, but that, that's kind of what it reminds me of. I don't you know. know. It like like Alfreda Alcala style as well. Do you, do you think
2: the the opening splash page, Doctor Strange, I, looks like an Infantino vibe there? I mean, I know it's Tom Sutton. Yeah,
3: yeah, a little bit. But
2: yeah, it's like wow, that looks like you know that looks like a character like uh, straight out of um, the Wheel Saga. The uh, oh yeah, it? yeah, uh, Gray Shade. Yeah. yeah, Gray Shade. Yeah, that's that's who I thought I was like wow, that really looks like him. But um, let's see. Well, see, I'm I'm impressed that this is Tom Sutton,
3: because I have to admit, I really know Tom Sutton best from his work on DC's Star Trek, and um, how do I put oh, that's this?
2: That's right.
3: That's right. That's yeah, shit. I, I mean, it's terrible. I really don't well, like it at all. Well, I think so it suffers mean, from licensed property-itis. Mm. Well, yeah, and I think uh, I think Villagran's inks aren't helping him out at all. Yeah, I was right. Swamp Thing. It was Nestor Redondo. I just had to check myself on that.
0: Or I mean Chan
3: is is a good artist too. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm so wondering his inking how much it helps. It is, yeah. I'm wondering mm-hmm. how much the, the inking of Chan is uh, is shoring this up as well. But although this isn't my preferred art style, for this particular kind of book, it really works. Uh, you know, the the very heavy line work and uh and the heavy inks and the dark uh you know the dark colors and everything, it it really, you know, for for this type of a title, it works very, very well. I really like this. Plus uh um, I've been long curious to check out um, Stern's run on Doctor Strange because I, I have a few scattered issues of it, but my issues are much later. Mine, I want to say, are in the 60s and 70s. So I didn't realize that he uh, went this far back with the character because this is only like his third issue on the book, I think.
0: Hmm.
3: But I didn't realize he had that long of a history because I thought his his run on uh, on Doctor Strange was fairly short uh in the 80s so well steve Engelhart came on later with marshall rogers
1: right i think i thought that was in the 50s well
3: it could be because uh i was looking at it was probably mike's amazing world but i was looking at something on this because like when i say when i opened this up and i saw it was roger stern i was like wow really he wrote this far back so i pulled up uh, a list of stern's credits and he did you know, he started a couple issues before this at like at twenty seven, I think, and then he did a few issues, and then he left, and then he came back. I want to say it might have been in the fifties, and did like I don't know, like twenty five issues or something like that. So that's probably where that that uh, stuff is that you're talking about. But I love Roger Stern, and you know what Bill was talking about before about. You know the footnotes and and really making it feel part of the the cohesive universe. You know, Stern was a master of that sort of thing because he's a huge comic book nerd. You know, he's he's really into the the whole shared universe concept. He's he's uh, you know quite the historian. You know of of comic. You know, he has got a lot of comic book knowledge, so he would. You know, quite often, weave his characters fully integrated into the universes that you know that they lived in. You know, no matter what company it was he was writing for, and that's one of the reasons he's always been one of my absolute favorite comic book writers because you can tell he really is. You know, both passionate about the material, but also he's very knowledgeable and respectful of that material and makes sure that it's firmly entrenched in in the universes that it takes places. I, I like that. I, I you know. Those are the writers that I tend to respect the most, rather than the ones that just come in and write. Well, I want to write my take on this, and then they just disregard everything else that's come before, or the stuff that they don't like, or whatever. I hate that. I, I like somebody more like Stern, that you know knows the history and, and embraces it and, and is able to work with it. I think that's that's a sign of a truly great comic book uh, writer, especially from this era. Hmm. Um,
1: if you look at the. the I guess about midway through the
3: book, there's a, or maybe
1: two-thirds of the way even, there's a splash page during the battle. And that's probably the
2: one that kind of, that I found to be a little reminiscent of Gene Colan. Yeah, I can see that. The one with uh, Strange and Nighthawk at the top, carrying uh, the one Doctor and Deathstalker at the bottom? Yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it is very Colan-like now that you say that. I think and, it's uh, Deathstalker's uh, robe and everything, the way he's moving.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very
3: fluid, and that, that's, that's Colin's style, as everything's always fluid and in, in motion. Yes. Then yeah,
1: a couple of pages that. later, uh, when, when Deathstalker's about to uh, give the death touch to Doctor Strange, he looks like he's having a constipated moment.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> what
3: I
2: was going to say, too. cheese. I've got to tell Wong to cut back on the cheese. That was too much. I'm not uh,
1: quite sure why they killed off the character of Deathstalker. I thought he was a pretty cool villain.
2: Yeah, you got well, yeah, well, he got stuck in that tombstone, if I remember. The yeah. shadow
3: wanted his clothes back. <laughs> I love the fedora.
2: Phantom Stranger need a new hat.
3: <laughs> That's more of a flop hat than a fedora, but yeah, I know what you mean.
2: Um, page six of the art, bottom panel on the left. Did, did you notice that Strange pulls his cloak out of a, out of a fire, out of a brazier? Does he? Yeah,
3: you see. I'm
2: either that or that. it looks like he pulls it out of it or either that or it caught on fire when he whipped it around it, but it almost looks like he oh, pulled yeah. it straight out. Like he just like like pulled it out of thin air out of the brazier.
3: <sighs> That's pretty cool, yeah. I'd yeah, never I, I seen know. that
2: before or or noticed that in any of the books. I mean, there's just a lot of, you know, weird magical stuff going on in here. And then Clea's not happy that she's being left behind.
1: Yeah, well, she she left the room and she came back fully clothed. So, yeah, I'm thinking she's <laughs> yeah. pissed off now. So you ain't getting yep. anything tonight, Steven.
2: Yeah. Yeah, let and, me put on my regular
1: outfit. That's one of the things in the later, the much more recent characterizations,
2: they've kind of portrayed Stephen Strange as a little bit of a player with the women. He was, he was here, seemed to be. And then it's his cool, uh, inconspicuous Dracula clothes.
1: Yeah, that's. I love that when he says, "Let's put on something more inconspicuous," he goes and puts on a, a cloak. <laughs> <laughs> but they they make a point of you know making a you know
2: like everybody's looking at him as he walks through the office. Uh, yeah, okay, nice job,
3: idiot.
0: <laughs>
3: that guy that's the, got the the purple suit there and is looking at him—the the <laughs> one that's making the Dracula remark—I think that may be uh, Roger Stern. Or hmm. Tony Stark.
2: Or Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your grade on this one? I was just seeing if I had any other comments real quick. Uh, yeah, so Deathstalker, I don't I don't remember where he come, pops up next. Actually, if this referenced Daredevil 152, then he is not long for this world much after this, is he? Because he gets killed sometime in the sometime. 160s, or, one, <laughs> sometime in the 160s <laughs> or 170s of Daredevil. I, when uh when miller comes on if i remember right
3: that's right i was trying to think of where i saw this guy before that's where i've seen him before okay
2: yeah there's a big there's a f- famous cover where he's like phasing through a tombstone getting ready yeah. to, to get daredevil and in the book he does something to him that causes him to come back in phase and he phases inside the tombstone and it kills him ouch so yeah that'll leave a mark so and then the now do you think the you think the eye of Agamotto saved him on its own, instinctively? That's kind of what I got out of the book. That's the way I read it. They, that strange didn't even have time to think; it just popped up and blocked the shot to save, um, because it was protecting his his actual body. So then it just you know gives him the the big hairy eyeball, stares him down, no, redirects the energy back on him. Poof! No more Death Stalker. Um, I guess the cover, I. I like this cover. I think it's like a classical, you know, for for this era. Um, Death Stalker looks really pretty freaky. You only have just his eyes showing and his, his, his cool his cool hat. Um, I'm gonna go for the cover. Hmm. I'm gonna say a B plus, and interior art. I I love it. I'm gonna probably. I'm just gonna say A for the interior art. I I, I got no no complaints here, and the story. For a, what is this? I think this is like an 18 page story and there's a lot to read here. Cause I remember Paul, you, you, you and I were talking one night about it and there was, there's like 10 panels on one page, nine panels on another. you got a lot of book for your money right here. So, I mean, now is it a above average story? I'm going to say it is, and I'm going to give it a B because it ties into, I like how it ties into other books and builds more on the, on the, on the universe. So I guess overall, I'm gonna give this. Uh, I'm gonna give this. A, I'm gonna give it an A minus. Screw it. I'm going with A minus.
1: All right. Well, I love the cover. I think it's a great, just moody cover. My biggest criticism of it is that he's that Deathstroke has little sparkles on him, as if he came out of Twilight. <laughs> uh, but but since it predates Twilight, I won't hold that against him. <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna say A on the cover. I really really like it. The interior artwork, I like a lot, but not quite as much as I like the cover. I think some of the angles that are chosen and some of the positioning of the characters is just not choices that I'm totally on board with, so I'm going to drop it to a B. Still still very good, but not as good as as I thought it could be. And I think story-wise, it's, like you said, there's a lot going on, but it's, it's a fairly easily read, easily understood, self-contained story. I'm just going to say above average, also a B, and give it an overall B plus. Mister G,
3: um, yeah, that's that's probably where I would go as well because I was thinking B plus on the cover. Um, it always bugs me when the when the main characters are, are not fully visible and and both Doctor Strange and Nighthawk are, are turned away from the from the reader. So if this was your first issue, you're not even really getting a full look at the two heroes of the book. So, a little little bit of a point off there, but I re- I do really like the cover. I'm surprised that I like the interior art so much cuz I really don't like Tom Sutton and Ernie Chan Choa. He's, you know, he's very hit and miss for me, but uh I, I think what it is is it's because of what the book is. You know, it's it's a it's a magical, mis- you know, uh mystical book. So in that aspect, um, I think the art really suits the subject matter. So I like it quite a bit. I'll, I'll say a say a, a, a flat uh, B for that. Um, and then the story, I, I didn't get a chance to fully read the story. I, I kind of you know skimmed along with Bill's synopsis, but I can't imagine I wouldn't dig it because I don't think I've ever not liked a Roger Stern story. He's just one of my favorite comic book uh, writers. He's just you know just a hell of a writer. So, uh, you know, just from what I've gleaned of the story, just flipping through it uh, and along with the synopsis, uh, again, I'd I'd go a B here. So, I I think pretty much a B all around on this one. All right. So much for Doctor Strange. (laughs) So, the next book
1: on our list is in honor of the fact that this episode is going to go up right around the time of Thanksgiving. And as we discussed before we started uh, the actual episode, uh, between us, we're only fully aware of one Thanksgiving issue of any book. There's probably others out there, but we couldn't think of any off the top of our heads. So I took JSA number 54 of January 2004. Uh, Cover price is a whopping $2.50. Cover is drawn by Carlos Pacheco, along with Jesus Marino and J.D. Metzler. Cover shows Power Girl and Superman serving a turkey to the JSA and JLA against a white background. To me, it's almost reminiscent of a Rockwell Holiday-type scene. The story is titled Virtue, Vice, and Pumpkin Pie, written by Jeff Johns, penciled by Don Kramer, inked by Keith Champagne, colored by John Callas, and inked by Jared Fletcher. The story opens in the Manhattan headquarters of the JSA, where we join Mr. Terrific and Batman, discussing the safety or potential dangers of having the JLA and JSA all together in one place. We then have a two-page splash showing the gathering of heroes. Wonder Woman is schooling the female heroes on the darker side of American history, including smallpox, syphilis, and genocide. Firestorm calls her out on it, but is ready to totally back down like a wimp when Wildcat, who has apparently been downing a few beers, steps up and is promptly (laughs) tossed to his seeming death by Power Girl through an open window up above. But as he flies through that window, he's caught uh, by the arriving Superman who's coming in with Captain Marvel, who's bringing a mincemeat pie that was baked by his sister. And this is followed by a very uncomfortable scene uh, where the middle-aged to elderly Wildcat asks about the availability of the teenage Mary Marvel What's up with that? Cut to Impulse who's a bored, I guess early teenager, and he's acting a bit spoiled He meets up with jakeem Thunder and the two strike up a quick friendship as all of this is going on Batman is fretting on who is on monitor duty and that role is being handled by Doctor Midnight, who is visited by Black Canary, and the two have an apparent, at this point, uh, apparently have had some type of hookup and hey, are hashing out their relationship.
2: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Doctor Midnight is on monitor. Isn't he blind? Yes, so. Okay, I just want to make sure. You got a
1: problem with that? <laughs>
2: we got the blind guy watching. You know, monitor. you know, there are equal rights things. He's. You can't uh, he's, listening he, he's listening for danger. He's listening for. So he's listening. Okay, all right. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, I derailed your synopsis. I just okay. yeah.
1: So as as the two of them are having a uh, basically a conversation where she's letting him down easy, Batman comes walking in to make sure all that's well. All is well, excuse me. Cut to the kitchen where our man is making mashed potatoes with two old old hags. When the when two <laughs> generations of Liberty Bell come walking in, and the senior one is acting quite like a milf. While they're all talking, Hawkman and the Atom try to sneak away with a drumstick, but are thwarted by Green Arrow. This starts to get a little bit heated, but is broken up by Batman. And at this point, dinner is ready, and they all gather in the dining area, where there's a large banquet table, and just to make it feel like at home, there's a kid's table for Impulse, Joachim Thunder, and Stargirl. She's pissed off at being included in the kid's table, and is basically comes very close to blowing uh, Captain Marvel's cover about the fact that he's only a teenager, but she doesn't. Jay Garrick makes a toast, and they all start eating. All but Batman, who just can't let his guard down. And, as if on cue, there's a sudden explosion of food as JSA villain Kulak the Sorcerer and JLA villain Warlock appear, only to be surprised by the number of heroes that are gathered. There are... Excuse me. They're, they're uh, all standing there, and they're covered in food, and they are pissed off. They surround the two villains, and the re- any resistance that they might show is left to your imagination, because you just assume they get the living shit beat out of them at that moment. The next scene is 33 minutes later, as the DC, vision, DC version of Domino's delivers 23 large meat lover pizzas and one vegetarian pie. Batman and Mr. Terrific take the delivery walk inside and Batman says I told you so and at that we have the end so this is totally a self contained story uh, clearly written to be very lighthearted and just kind of a slice of life almost the Brian Bendis type dialogue heavy book uh, without having quite the pretentiousness of some of Dr. Brian Bendis's books but uh, overall I found this to be a fun book to read what did you two think of it? Don't all rush up with
3: your opinions. Do
0: we lose
1: Scott? No, I'm here.
2: I was letting letting you run first on
1: this one. And doing a fine job he is.
2: Oh, I I, (laughs) I was still just scrolling through. I was just looking. um, Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have... I don't really... I can't... Like like, like we said before, I can't really recall a lot of Thanksgiving theme. You know, you usually get the Halloween, you get the the Christmas theme one, uh, but you don't get a lot of Thanksgiving ones. And, I did a quick
3: Google search
2: uh-huh.
0: uh,
3: for, Th- I just put in Thanksgiving comic books, and I got three Beside. besides this one. It was uh, an old Superboy from the 50s, uh, one issue of Batman, The I think it was the Long Halloween because it showed uh, Solomon Grundy sitting uh, at like the banquet table for for Thanksgiving. It, it was one of those uh, Loeb and whatever the, the artist's sale, Loeb and Sale books. And uh, and the other one was an issue of uh, uh, Comics Cavalcade with uh, with again with the JSA. So
2: yeah, Perhaps not a lot of Thanksgiving of,
1: them out of there. 2016 or
0: 2015.
2: We'll do those. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> yeah. There we go, three books. But uh, yeah, I let's see. I was collecting the JSA. and I don't think I have this issue. I'm trying to remember. I it was hit and miss, and. Oh, no, no, no. I collected it when it restarted again, when it became actually just a Society of America, when I went back to that title. That's right. I didn't really have any of of the actual JSA books. Um, The cover is kind of a mix. I like Superman, but some of the other characters look a little off. Um, I don't know. Green Lantern looks a little goofy. Is he even actually in the book? Oh, yeah, I think there he is. That's Kyle Kyle. Rayner yeah yeah I know, but I don't remember seeing him in the story actually well he, I that.
1: don't believe he speaks at all in the story. I don't know if he's in the background. I'm looking through it right now
2: because at the uh in the big in the big you know the the big fight scene at the end with the point of the big spa- uh, uh, splash page it actually is John Stewart or appears to be yeah. John Stewart yeah John Stewart is yeah, shown at the, at the, so. the banquet table, yeah, so yeah. I mean that's but you know that's a minor quibble, and they could have uh, both been there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, the cover could have been
3: done, you know, well separate from the issue itself as well. Right. You know, this could have been a something that somebody came up with and then they came up with a story around it or something like that.
2: Yeah. Now, I know you guys kind of cr- criticize not you didn't criticize me cuz I said something about that Thor book that was white on the background and I guess I'm kind of seeing I wish there I'm not sure why there couldn't have been some other background here, why it was just a stark white. I mean, is it just to make Superman stick out more? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm saying, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to look through the book a little more before I give it a grade. See if we got any...
1: We're not up to grading yet. Just,
2: just yeah. overall opinions. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the Wildcat thing is a little uh, creepy. See, I really like the scene where he basically confronts Wonder Woman. Like oh, a, yeah.
1: Like a drunken old fool. But I don't like when he starts basically asking about Mary Marvel.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know that's that's kind of yeah. Mm. <laughs> she got a boyfriend, you can hear like a yeah. you know, like a drunken hiccup in there. <laughs> and this is uh, you... I, I, impulse. He'll be uh, impulse. Will later be Bart, and he'll be the next Flash too. Well, he's he's Bart already. He's just right. Flash eventually. Well, no, I mean that, that's what I meant. You, you know what I meant. I never knew that Doctor Midnight and um black canary had something going on me neither until i read this yeah i don't remember that at all who apparently
1: neither did black canary because she didn't seem all that interested
2: oh black canary and dr Mid- yeah yeah they did for a time hmm well oh, that would explain i'm trying to think didn't we see some cosplayers that were black canary and um dr midnight at uh megacon yeah
3: yeah i think you're uh, right but, now that you like- say that i'd forgotten but yeah that seeing this um because this this issue brought back a lot of memories for me, actually. So you say you didn't, you weren't collecting this title as
2: it came out. No, I missed out, out on this. I was getting because this was coming out the same time that JLA was, and I was getting JLA, but I wasn't getting JSA. I I, I think it was just a question of of money at the time, mm. and I had I had more of an interest in the JLA. So yeah. do, you, do you guys know who the two old bags are cooking with our man?
1: Or is uh, it one of them going to be Ma Hunkel? I'm guessing one of them is, but I, I don't know.
3: Back to that. Hang on here. Let me
2: see if I can. One's get wearing
1: back. a JSA apron, and the other one's wearing a JLA apron.
2: Well, the JSA one must be my uncle, but should she have a a, fr- a pot on her head or something? <laughs> if she was the Red Tornado, right?
3: Well, the 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 one in the blue is he says Mrs. Scott, so that's got to be Alan Scott. Oh, one. okay. And then the other one. Yeah. Well, she could be your wife. That's probably Joan <laughs> Garrick. Possibly,
1: they really I are guess, two uh, elderly-looking things, though.
3: Yeah, because Ma Hunkel was more, you know, she's built like a tank. You know, she's she's a you know a very large woman. So I don't think it's either one of these women here.
0: Is yeah, my guess here?
3: would be that that's uh, who Ma Hunkle. She yeah. may not have joined the team yet because she does come in eventually. I want. I oh, thought it okay. was earlier than this, but maybe not yet. I I can't remember. I am so overdue for a read of of this title, but I don't know that I'll be doing that anytime soon. Because I, I tell you, my my initial reaction when starting to, as soon as I, I realized the book that Paul selected, I, I was like, "Oh yeah!" And I started reading it, and uh, and my first thing right off the bat was just, you know, it was like coming home. You know, it's just it made me so happy because I never missed an issue of this um i always saw this title as a as a direct outgrowth of james robinson's starman and it had a lot of the same feel in the in the beginning and of course that feel mutated over time because this book was much more about you know family and the the legacy of the dc universe and everything and really 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 embraced all the best aspects of that, of, you know, that rich legacy of, of DC and, you know, being the first super team, but also being a family title and all that. But then somewhere in the process of of rereading this again, you know, by the time I got to the end of it, I just found myself kind of depressed because it's all gone, you know, and all the goodwill that was generated by this title, especially by Jeff Johns, you know, when I when I allowed myself to think about the state of DC now, and especially the state of Jeff Johns now, and my feelings about him now, it kind of it, it kind of sours it a bit because it's like, man, you were you were one of the greats. You know, he was one of the great comic book writers. Really embraced every great thing, and and just really delved deep to bring some great stories you know, utilizing these really obscure elements of DC history and DC past. And then I just, I I look at where DC and Jeff Johns are today. And I'm like, what, what the hell happened? You know, Mm -hmm.
0: how
3: how can you, how could you just turn your back on all that and allow the pure shit that's coming out these days to, to happen? and, it's not just even standing back and allowing it to happen. I mean, he had an active hand in in destroying all of this in a lot of ways. You know, I, I look at uh, I look at Infinite Crisis and especially you know, there's that issue. I think it was one of the um, one of the Legion of Superhero tie-in titles where he basically you know flipped the the readers off at the end of it. Uh, you know, with the whole thing of Superboy Prime. You know, being uh, uh, of you know, not even I was going to say thinly disguised. He wasn't even disguised, really. He was he was Jeff Johns' uh, interpretation of his own readership. Wasn't that wasn't that Morrison? No, that was Jeff Johns, and uh, and I've never felt the same way about him. I thought and that so- was uh, okay. My mistake. I thought that was Morrison. No, you're thinking of uh, of uh, Final Crisis. That was Morrison.
1: Yeah, I, I I thought that issue with Super Superboy Prime was Morrison, but I
2: guess I I'm mean mistaken. I I could be wrong. I mean I, I let's no see. Uh, Final Crisis Legion. of... Are you talking about Legion of Three Worlds? Or yeah, are you that to... was it. Yeah, Legion of Three Worlds. That's yeah, it's Jeff Johns, script, it? scripted by Jeff Johns.
3: Yeah, there you go. Okay,
2: and, so,
1: hold on. Somebody mark this down. I was wrong once. <laughs> But you know, but, I, I don't but, want that.
2: But Superboy was a villain prior to that. He had been turned into a villain prior to the Legion of Three Worlds.
3: Right. No, no. I'm not talking about the whole villain thing. I'm talking where, who who wrote Wanted? Who you remember that series? Oh, that was uh, Miller. Millar. Millar. Yeah, Mark Millar. Sure. Remember at the end. I don't know if you guys have ever read it, but at the yeah. end of that book, I hate that ending. It, yeah, exactly. He literally flips the audience off. It, it says something like, "Screw you! I've taken your money." And that's exactly how I felt at the end of Legion of Three Worlds, because while he doesn't doesn't literally flip the audience off, figuratively speaking, he does, because he comes right out and slaps you in the face with the fact of, here's what I really think of you people. And it was an insult. It was a huge insult, because it was essentially him saying... I, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm not going to let history and tradition oh. and sentimentality and everything stand in the way of, of the direction I want to take all this. And it hurt. It hurt coming from a guy that when you read stories like this one, and the the entire this entire series of JSA, is just like this issue in the fact that it's it's rich in dc history he has an obvious love and respect and appreciation for these characters and somewhere between this and that something in him changed and that that's what begets Or begat, you know, whatever the proper English is, the uh, the DC universe that exists today, a DC universe that, in my opinion, and I I think that others, you know, seem to have the same opinion, does not uh, appreciate its own history and and treat it respectfully, or treat its fan base respectfully either. And that's a real shame, and that's where I, I say I, I walked away from this with a very kind of sad and bittersweet feeling because I loved this when it came out, and I still love it now. It's just it now it's hard it's harder to to uh, divorce you know knowing who the the person is behind this you know from what's going on with it now. It, it's harder to just take it for what it is and, and just enjoy it when I just look at it and go, you know, these are my friends and they're all dead. And this is the guy the guy that gave me this great story of these friends is the guy that killed them. And that's hard. You know, that's 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 rough, you know, mm-hmm. that feeling. But it it is literally true. I mean, he and cool. I think more than anybody else involved with all that is the one responsible. And it it just sucks to to have uh really i mean i was a huge supporter for jeff johns and and really trumpeted you know his uh his talent and everything and you know kind of feel uh kind of feel betrayed in the long run you know that that he turned out to you know do the things that he did with these characters and with this universe i've never really uh never really forgiven him for that, I guess I should say. Which, I guess, maybe seem a little harsh, but, you know, just being honest. Well,
1: yeah. he- here's... A- I was going to just say, I, I can't blame you for feeling a little betrayed by that, but I could still look at the story in a vacuum.
0: hmm mm.
3: I mean, taking the story on its own merits, without any of that, um, it's a great story. It is It is a super solid story that uh, that I really appreciate. So, I mean... My grade is, uh, you know, story-wise, my grade would be a, a straight-up A, possibly even an A-plus on this. It gets a couple of points off for, for maybe a little bit of weirdness here and there, especially the thing with Wildcat that you pointed out. So I'll say an A straight up. Uh, the art's a completely different story. The art, strangely, seems very amateurish to me um, on the interior. Um, so I'm I'm not really a fan of the art. It's, it's wonky in a lot of places. Um, so I'm not, I'm not even, I would say maybe, uh, C, C minus. I'm just not a a fan of it. The cover though. I love, I think the cover is an iconic image and I suspect the cover is actually an homage to something else. I want to say
0: to Turkey. um, Oh,
3: what's, what's, uh, Rockwell. I want to say Rockwell. I don't think it is, but it, I think it's supposed to be evocative of like a Norman Rockwell. Um um, but oh, I like I it. You I,
2: s- I, hmm? I I, thought you meant the singer from the 80s. <laughs> Sorry.
3: But, you know, I hadn't even noticed the negative space, though, until you said that. Yeah, all that negative space. It, I guess it would have to get points off for that as well. So maybe a, a B minus because, yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that. I suspect maybe the negative space is to make the logo and Superman and Power Girl pop that much more, but I mean... That's you know, the way I saw it. Yeah. yeah. She's popping as it is. So. And gotta I make like
2: that, that too. Got to make that boob window pop. I haven't listened to your listen to, to the profits, but I'm assuming you're on the pro boob window, Klingon boob window side?
1: I don't think there's a possibility of being negative on boob windows.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, anybody who says anything negative about boob windows doesn't like boobs. And I just, I, I can't understand that logic, so.
2: Well, what about the Invisible Woman boob window from the 90s? What about it? It's boob window. It's good. <laughs> it's boob window. It's good. Uh, touching back on what you said about. The only people who
1: should not have boob windows are your mother or your daughter. Or or me. Or your grandmother. No, I'm talking women. Obviously. Your oh, friend, okay. yeah. not, not, there, there is a huge difference between boob window and Man boob, Man boob window. window. It would be hairy,
2: uh, Harry boob window. Uh.
1: but see, I, I, I don't mind that the white on this. I, it didn't bother me on this one. Like I said, it, it has that Norman Rockwell feel, and I like that. Uh, some of the faces look a little like I think Wonder Woman's face looks off. In the
2: book, yeah. There's some. No, on the on cover. That. I'm oh, on the cover, yeah. Uh, there's, uh, yeah. It, like Green Lantern looks kind of. And, and and Wonder Woman's got, like, way too high of a forehead. Something's going on there. She's but I, got, I still
1: know. like the overall composition of the uh, the cover. And and I definitely think that, Scott, you're on the money that this was something that was put together independent of the actual story. Because you have the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern, who's not in the book. And right behind Wonder Woman, you have the Wally West Flash, who is also not in the book.
0: mm
2: is Ray Palmer putting on a show or something there? Ray Palmer looks
1: like he's doing a plie.
2: He's like, da-da-da-da, look at me, here I am. Pass the mashed potatoes, please. You
3: know.
1: Yeah, I don't get that. But I still like the cover. I'm, I'm willing to go A-minus on the cover.
3: Yeah, I like the cover. Uh,
1: the interior art, I tend to agree with you. It's it's not quite... It's almost like it, it looks good to me until I put it to closer scrutiny and then I start seeing some things that I'm not crazy about. So com- combining my first impression with my second impression, I'm going to say B- on the interior art. And the story is just fun and it, it, it yeah. serves a purpose. It's the only real Thanksgiving story we could think of. Uh, and, and it's just enjoyable. I, I, I love like the brooding Batman through the story uh, and then it turns out that he's right. Uh, I, I love the two villains appearing and then being like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say just an A on the, on the story. Yeah. I'm giving the overall story an A minus. The overall book an A minus. Mm.
3: I re- I just seem to recall a lot of the series being like this one, where there wasn't uh, a a fight, there wasn't necessarily even a threat. Sometimes there were issues. Sometimes entire story arcs, I believe, where uh, where it was just a character piece, where it was essentially it was a it was a superhero soap opera. And I think there's something to be said for that. I can remember uh, a lot of uh, comics that I read, even as a kid, thinking, you know, I-, I like this fight and I like this, you know, what's going on with the plot. But couldn't we just take a moment to, to do more with the characters? So I always kind of looked at, uh, at JSA as kind of like All-Star Squadron grown up, if you know what I mean. Because I loved the All-Star Squadron, but one of the things I really liked about that series was the character dynamic and the interactions of the characters with each other. But that comic being very much entrenched in the era that, that it was being created in, in the 80s, every issue had to have a fight, had to have a villain, had to have a big world-threatening plot. And so those things would steal page count away from what I really enjoyed which was the human interaction.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And JSA is from a completely different era where you could get entire stories that were just that. I mean, yeah, you have you know those two supervillains show up in this one but you know a, th- a punch is never thrown and it's done very much for comedic effect that's really effective. It really works. And so, essentially, this is a family story, you know, and, and you know, telling uh, a very human story and, and just a lot of little beats, a lot of little moments that make up the entire story as a whole. And I love it. Yeah, I, I totally uh, agree. I thought so much of this series. I, I really did. It was it was great from start to finish. And uh, it's funny, you know, Bill was saying that that he didn't really discover it until um Justice Society of America which was the the follow up um after this series ended then it became Justice Society uh Bill I'd encourage you buddy uh snag these back issues as you can find them cuz if you like mm. Justice Society I think you'll like this m- that much more because not that Justice Society wasn't good but it wasn't as good as this was Th- this was really the series and this one this yeah. one ran I don't know Trying to remember how many issues this ran all together. I want to say like seventy some. I think something like that. I read a lot of these in the trades, and it's it's just there's there's uh, a lot of
1: good storylines in this run.
3: Yeah, there is. There is. I, I really liked. I mean, I I just I was struck by how much I remembered, but also how much that I'd forgotten that I loved so much. And one of the things that I always really loved about this was. It's one of the few times that Captain Marvel uh, came around, stuck around and really, really, really good things were done with him as a character because you, you don't get much of it in here. So it might not be evident if you haven't followed the series, but he and um, I don't know if she was going by Stargirl yet, um, but the Star Spangled Kid, he, he and she were they were an item. And she knew that he was Billy Batson, so they were about the same age, and that was a really good storyline that went some really interesting places because there was uh, an issue. It's got to be after this, where Jay Garrick essentially sits Marvel down and says, "You know, it's come to my attention that uh, that you and uh, and Star have this thing going," and he goes, "You know, we we can't allow this. She's she's a minor." and so later billy as captain marvel has to go to her and call it off and she's crushed she's absolutely devastated and she's like why didn't why don't you tell him why didn't you tell him that we're the same age and that you're you know you're a teenager just and he's just like i can't i can't do it he goes because every time somebody knows they treat me differently and he goes they'll they'll just see me as a kid And he goes, I I have to be on the same level as them. And it it was it was so powerful a story that it was breaking her. It was breaking both their hearts, but it was really killing her. And uh, there was a great moment where he he turns to leave and she's just begging him to say shazam and turn back into billy so she can just talk to him because she knows that it's the wisdom of solomon that's whispering in his ear that's making him make this decision and she wants to talk to him as a human being and he refuses to change and it's just i'm telling you one of the uh, that's one of my top favorite comic stories of all time and it was again like much like this i think that's all happens in one issue i think it turns out that uh Uh, Per Degaton is is pulling some strings behind the scenes I'm pretty sure that was a standalone issue but powerful stuff because again there was no fights at all it was just all human interest stuff but really really powerful stuff it really showed the power of what you could do um, when you got past the fact that these were people in tights and capes you know and and really tell you know human interest
2: stuff really good stuff. Yeah, but if it was a Predegaton story, then nothing happened at the end. It <laughs> well, we went back to status quo. <laughs> I have a nitpick question. Uh-huh. All right. Obviously, this takes place in between Crisis on Infinite Earths and Infinite Crisis and all that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Multiverse is gone, right? Why did they mention right. Earth 2? Right. I was wondering that myself.
3: Scott? <laughs> I think I was wondering that too as I was rereading this. I was uh, that kind of threw me. I'm like, whoa, wait, we're Earth two. The only thing I can think is that this may be post. And I hate to give this book a plug, but this may be post Earth two by Grant Morrison. Oh, that's where, right. Where in, in Earth two at this time
2: was like uh, the negative the was, ant- ant- was
3: basically Earth three of the old pre-crisis universe. Ah, that's, that's my right. guess
1: anyway crime Good call. syndicate
3: earth Good call. yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. and uh and the, the reason i hate to give that a plug is man that book sucks
1: yeah i have a copy of it it does
3: yeah,
2: yeah. i, I got the hardback yeah oh, that is the only comic books.
3: that is the only comic in in over 30 years of collecting comics and tens of thousands of books that i own that is the only comic i ever returned to the store for my money back i i bought it from a. You know, one of those booksellers like, I don't know, B. Dalton or something like that. I, I bought it the day it came out, took it home and was so anxious to read it. And I read it and I'm like, this is shit. And I went right back to the store of my receipt. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going to need my money back because this is toilet paper. So
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, be- before I get my grades, I just glanced real quick at the synopsis for Legion of Three Worlds. and I think I know what what you're saying, like might I, uh, upset you. And I'll just read the last paragraph here real quick. It's it's mm-hmm. real short. Uh, well, prior to that, basically, the time trapper was revealed to be Superboy, to be a future version of Superboy Prime, and basically, right. they got Superboy Prime to punch the time trapper, and poof, he disappeared in a puff of logic. So anyway, it says, meanwhile, an apparently powerless Superboy Prime wakes up on the reborn Earth Prime. He is reunited with his parents and his girlfriend, Lori, who are all horrified by what he has become, having read all the comics he has appeared in since Crisis on Infinite Earths. Superboy Prime begins to live in his fearful parents' basement while reading the last issue of Legion of Three Worlds. He then turns and talks to the readers, insisting they knew he was meant to be Superboy before Connor. He then proceeds to troll the official DC Comics message board on the internet, remarking, they'll never get rid of me. I always survive. So were you taking that as in Johns was kind of poking the bear at the readers or the people on the internet and their Mm comments? Absolutely.
3: well, my so, understanding, as I recall, and again, you know, my, my memory can be faulty. So if somebody else knows differently, feel free to, to write in and, and correct me on this. But here here's how I remember the sequence of events is that as you came out and a lot of fans kind of looked at it and said is he taking a shot at us and then eventually in some interview somewhere John's confirmed that yes uh he was not a fan of fanboys and he wasn't a fan of the internet and uh the way that the feedback process had changed from the old letter column days <laughs> to where now people would go onto message boards and stuff and post their their opinions and everything and so Superboy Prime in this particular instance, was he he was uh, treating Superboy Prime as
0: uh, the, fan the fanboy
3: audience that that you know as he saw them. So yes, this was him taking a cheap shot at his own readership. And when I realized that, I thought, you know, that's that's pretty lousy. You know, especially if that's really what he thinks of people, just because uh they spoke out uh, the, see I've often wondered where he lost it exactly you know what I mean because it was kind of for me growing disenfranchised with him was kind of a slow process because I thought the world of the guy I mean there was a time when I thought he could do no wrong because he was just everything he touched was just fantastic and I was a huge fan of his JSA stuff and he was the one that made me interested in Green Lantern for the first time really in ever because his Green Lantern stuff was fantastic. You know, he was doing, um, oh, shit. What was the fir- that first big Green Reverse? Lantern? No, that, that oh. big crossover oh. event. Uh,
2: uh, not War of the Green Lanterns or the Sinestro Corps War? Sinestro Corps War, yeah.
3: Yeah. And everybody, that that was on everybody's lips. You know, everybody kept talking about how, and I was like, I just got so tired of hearing about it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to check this out. And right around the time that I decided, well, you know, I'll check that out at some point. I stumbled into all of the issues of it at some, uh, I think it was at Titans. Uh, and it was, uh, I mean, this was at a time when this thing was demanding like crazy friggin' prices on eBay, Yet I stumbled into like every issue of the series at a, I'm pretty sure it was a tights for like 50 cents a book. And wow. it was just one of those things where they were having a huge sale. And I don't even think they realized what was in the boxes that they were dragging out of the back room. Because I remember when I brought it up to the counter, the guy was like, oh, shit, that was in there. And I was like, yep, it sure was. So mm-hmm. I snagged the whole thing and and fell in love with that. So, I mean, he was just really hitting on all the beats. And then Infinite Crisis came along, which I was nervous about from the get go anyway, because it was going to be playing, you know, with it was basically going to be playing with these toys that, you know, I wasn't really crazy with anybody playing with because it was my beloved Crisis on Infinite Earths. I was like, why don't we just leave that alone? but I trusted him because it was Jeff Johns, you know, and he could do no wrong and he was doing all these great stories and he loved DC. And that was kind of the first chink in the armor was infinite crisis. Cause I just thought it was shit. You know, I, I didn't like what it did. I didn't like the fact that, uh, he came in and, and used certain characters and concepts from that without really seeming to understand who they were or, or uh, where they had been left after Crisis. You know, turning you know, the original Superman, the Golden Age Superman and, and Superboy Prime into villains. I'm like, what the hell is that all about? And, and then it just began that, that slow degrade. And eventually when he was allowed to, uh, to write Superman and, and reboot Superman... That's when he completely lost me, because up to that point, I, you know, despite Infinite Crisis, I, I still was more or less enjoying his stuff. But then he got his hands on Superman and just I don't know if he just started believing his own hype or what happened. But he went so far afield with that character. It was just a shame. He went from being this guy that was so renowned for loving and respecting and uh, showcasing the the history of DC to the guy that just would just disregard you know what he didn't like and and just i don't know it was just it was really strange i did not like where he took superman and superman to me is the core of the dc universe and if you can't if you don't get super superman right then to me the whole rest of the universe just doesn't function properly and that's kind of where i lost You know, my my love and my interest for present day D.C. is when they just they royally screwed him up. And so, you know, I I hate to sound harsh, but I do lay all that at the feet of Jeff Johns. I think that all the things that are going on with D.C. these days where they just can't seem to get their shit together. I think it really it goes back to him. You know, he's uh, he's the guy that that made those changes.
1: He's the guy who they basically look to for the direction to go in the future
3: exactly him, him yeah. and
1: jim lee yep yeah yeah so and so uh just wait where do you guys fall on this specific issue letter wise though grade wise
2: um for the cover i'm i'm uh it just there's certain things about it i'm gonna go with
0: hmm,
2: b minus and that's probably being generous probably because i'm liking the rest of the book like you guys with the story i'm um, The story's an A, a solid A. Mm -hmm. The interior art, all right. The picture of Wonder Woman right after the double page where they're all, where she's talking to um, the girls and Firestorm's there and Ted's drinking at at the table. That very first panel, the top of it, that looks like a JRJR version of Wonder Woman, doesn't it? With the face, doesn't it look like a John Romita Jr. face? Which page is
3: saying, No Sisters, You Misunderstand Me? Is that the one? Yeah.
2: Yeah, the well, eyes. yeah,
3: it, it does kind of. But what I'm noticing is that and then the picture that's in the background that is either her or her mother. Her mother. She actually, she actually looks black. She's got the nappy hair.
2: Yeah. And then, and then the next one below that, she she's uh, she looks. Oh, it's just it's way off. She's, she's never a man, been. baby. Yeah, she looks like a man. She's never with <laughs> that. You know, and then at the one at the bottom of the page, she's got an Elvis sneer. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. She's, you know, then the next page, Wonder Girl, uh, uh, uh Power Girl has a freaking Elvis, Billy Idol lip going. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, they just keep reusing the same. And then the following page later, freaking Wildcat's got an Elvis sneer when he's talking to, uh, yeah, I, C, C for the art. I'm, I don't like the art here. So I guess that's gonna round it out to about a B, a B plus for for me for this book.
3: Cool. Well, are we ready for our last book?
1: Uh, honestly, <laughs> I'm thinking we've been going for about two and a half hours, even edited. Yeah, now you know, this episode's gonna be close to two hours. Would you mind saving that book for next time?
3: Oh, you're killing me! You're killing me! I oh
0: man. Well,
2: I mean, because I'm getting, uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of beat. <laughs> i want to call it a night. All right. I haven't had a chance to read it. I'd like to read it because it looks like it's really in depth. But I mean, I I don't know. It's your guys' call. I I mean, but uh, you, know, you know
1: what? If if it's, it's, right. if you're willing to save it, then we get to say next time on an all new back to the bins. Like it's no <laughs> laugh at all. <laughs> You don't have to do any homework next time. Well, here,
3: let's let's close the show out with that, then, with with you saying that for, for time reasons, we're going to cut it off, that I do have a book because I don't want to start getting hate mail. Yeah, you late. don't want yeah, people thinking day.
1: of you like they think of Bill.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: we don't, oh, yeah. God All right. forbid.
1: All right, so uh, now that we're done with the DC, we should be going over to the Independent, but we've been running kind of long, and I'm getting kind of sleepy. So, uh, Scott, would you mind saving your book for next week? No, that's fine.
3: I do have a book prepared with a synopsis, so I just want to make that clear. You're not Dr. Billing the podcast.
2: (laughs) Send send all hate mail to Caro, Dr. Dr. Bill. Bill.
1: Dr. Bill. (laughs) (laughs) That
3: works. (laughs) That works. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks podcast group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Take a moment to stop by and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
2: I've been eating a lot of ice, and I ate too much ice, and it numbed my mouth. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. I'm sorry. I will not chew ice before I do my book anymore, because it just is terrible. (laughs)